0: Golden West Radio now brings you the Lawn and Garden Journal. Get your questions ready. Our toll-free line is open at 1-800-374-3315. Now, here's your host, Carla Hersina from St. Mary's Nursery and Garden Center. Good morning, everyone. You are listening to the Lawn and Garden Journal. And what a difference, I have to say, that it was from last year to this. Today we're under the rains that are coming from above. It wasn't snow, so I'm happy about that. I will take a little bit of the rainy days because it definitely will keep uh, the snow melting a little bit. But I hope we don't get too much rain today although it will help to also start to waken up some of those roots that are deep down beneath that have been covered so long by that deep coldness that's there. So today, it is indeed a rainy day. So let's listen to the poem, Rainy Day. The hills are smothered in a fog. The sky is somber gray. The rain is coming in a mist. A cheerless rainy day. To me, the trees are weeping. With their branches drooping low, their tears are steady falling with heavy drops yet slow. The birds, they are all silent, and not one sweet silvery note re-echoes through the forest from our feathered songster's throat. Not one thing to break the silence save the raindrops as they fall, as I watch the clouds roll onward or climb the mountain wall. And somehow I feel so happy, though the world seems full of pain. So I let my gaze go farther when the sun will shine again. The trees and flowers and grasses, they will all be fresher, seem. And the laughter will be louder from the rippling mountain stream. The birds will sing far sweeter than they did so days gone by before. And the air will be fresher and of the bluer tint of sky. We all do love the sunshine, we love the moonlight too, we also love the twilight and the falling of the dew. But I never growl or grumble, only this I wish to say, that this world would be a desert without you, O rainy day. You are listening to the Lawn and Garden Journal, and today, yes, it's a rainy day, and there's a few things that we love to see the rain it's helping the snow wash away and it's cleaning up things it's giving our the area kind of a wash out that's on it but we also have to see that in certain areas we're also finding that people are uh, calling in and sort of saying okay i've got i've got I had tons of snow now i have tons of moisture and there's some areas that may be in standing water I don't think I'd be too concerned yet because uh, we will probably start thawing out a little bit. Uh, We haven't had sustained portions where things have been under a lot of water too long yet, and trees and shrubs will adapt. They will go through that. It's like if you're looking at your river sides where the water levels go up, a lot of the natural dogwoods that are in there, they'll be underwater for a while, but as it goes slowly away they have that sustenance to keep them going and growing. So watery day it is, but it's an opportunity. I always think of it as, okay, if it's raining outside, I kind of give a little chuckle. So where do you want to go and see greenery? Go visit your greenhouses, go see what's happening. It may be the perfect day to start to go and collect some of those seeds. So if you haven't already seeded, There's probably a selection there or two that you're thinking of uh, growing. There's another reminder, too, if you weren't listening last week, if you have those bulbs hidden somewhere down in those cool locations, it's time to take a peek at them. Because lo and behold, if they're buried deep in that cool closet that's nice and cool, I betcha those little bulbing eyes are starting to form, which is a true symbol of put me in some soil and watch me grow. Yes. Now, one of the things that, uh, we've had, and when I get conversations at the garden center of what things are happening, I love bringing it out and talking about it on the show, because if it happens with one or two or three people, maybe other people are interested because we're gardeners. We love to hear the scenarios and the stories. And we actually had one person, uh, Sent me a photo, and they sent me these little uh, shards or pieces, and they said, what are these brownish, whitish whitish things that are in my soil? Well, I took a little, uh, blew up the picture that's in it, and if it was a grower's mix, uh, there are different types of grower's mix or soils that you get at your garden centers, and depending on where you're getting, a lot of them are peat-based, where there's not heavy mineral soils that are in that mixture. And because a lot of our, particularly in our area, a lot of our soils are very heavy in mineral and not, well, heavy in clay is what I should say. So growing seeds in a lighter soil or a lighter medium makes for better root construction that's in there. Because if it's too heavy, they have a hard time breaking into that soils. So good Peat moss, especially transplanting or starting soils, is a little bit lighter. They have the capacity to hold moisture a little bit longer for you because we know when those seeds break, they need that moisture content in it that's going to be perfect for it. And the little white pellets or the little grayish tones, because sometimes it depends on the colorant in the seed mix that it gets, those are perlite. Yes, it's this pumicey type of... um, rock that's in it. And it adds for drainage that's in here. So in some soils, we know that when we saturate some peat moss areas or peat soils, they can retain the moisture longer. But we also need those creative air spaces. And the air spaces are given by added that perlite that's given into the soil. So you get a win-win capacity that's in there. Don't be concerned if it is those perlites Uh, It did look like perlite in the pictures that you're given to us. So then when you venture into other types of soils, uh, you'll probably find that the ratios are a little bit different in the perlite to the amount of soil. And there may be even uh, bits of bark and more of an organic matter that's in there. One of the things, particularly for houseplants, or you may have heard me talk about it when I'm doing my herb gardens, I love using sea soil. And sea soil is bark emulsions with renderings of, uh, yes, ocean fish that's in there. So it gives this great mixture that's to it. And I actually did a, a test a few years ago where I just grew specifically in sea soil on my deck. And I was quite amazed that, you know, with using sea soil and using an experiment of what's in it, do I blend these or do I just plant directly in it? Well, I thought, okay, if I put a few herbs in there and they kind of, you know, have a demise, it's a test, true testament that's in it. But the sea soil mixture was very good. It's com, It's basically composted elements that are really good. And My husband loved it because his gourmet aspect of he's the cook loved the bounty of these herbs that we got that's from it, completely from sort of two different categories, too. Because sometimes we know that basil does not like to be overwatered, whereas the rosemary likes to go dry. And lo and behold, I created this herb garden with both of them in them, and both did well. Who knew? Well, let me know your thoughts. Do you have your cup of coffee or tea beside you? Well, let's just keep on going and talking about growing and maybe about our gardens because there are a lot of things that are happening that are outside that we don't see and some things that we may just be inquiring about. Let's go right to the lines. Edna is waiting. Good morning, Edna. Good morning. Good morning. Where are you calling uh, from? I'm calling from Maryapolis. Maryapolis. Yes. Where where is Maryapolis?
1: I'm between um, on the road to where would I say to Balder, twenty three highway, um, just east on you go east on twenty three from thirty four highway.
0: Oh wow! Yeah. Okay, I think you're our first Maryapolis person.
1: I'm not surprised, but I think there's others that listen.
0: Oh, well, well hello Mary Yeah. Uh, yeah, <laughs> welcome to the Lawn and Garden Journal. Good. Um How co- How can we help you today? I have I've started some cinnamon basil
1: and I'd like to know how to use it. Oh.
0: Well, cinnamon basil, you know what? I've never cooked it with it myself, but there's I guess it's like I find that, have you ever tasted it before? Have you had any little new leaves come up?
1: Oh, yes, I have. And and it's very aromatic, and it is basil, but it's also cinnamon. And I just, I'm just curious. I have quite a few, I had real success with uh, growing it, and I'm going to give them away, but I... I think I have to tell them what to do with it.
0: (laughs) You know what? It's so true. And uh, it's probably one item. uh, I know that we love just uh, large leaf basil and some of the purple basils because when you're looking at some of the flowers, they make beautiful colorants for vinaigrettes and that. But with the cinnamon basil that's in there, the one thing that would probably pop up in my mind, how about cookies? Like, right. That might give it a little bit of a different sort of twist that's to it. Yeah. And, you know, I've never tasted the cinnamon basil myself that's on it, but it sounds like it would be very culinary, you know. It, it's much there. more
1: delicate a leaf than uh, the sweet basil because I have, you say basil and I say basil. I don't know which <laughs>
0: is right. <laughs> tomato, tomato.
1: Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it, I you know i know exactly what to do with the regular stuff but this is interesting it's finer but and it could i'm sure i could chop it up fine and throw it in some cookies that's yeah
0: certain. you know what i just i just googled right now sorry okay. cuz i got a computer right here and i thought okay i got to google this so i actually put it on and cookies comes up and jelly comes up Jelly. Jelly. Can you imagine? Um, I have a sister that lives way up north, and uh, we always talk about tomatoes. And unfortunately, she has such a a short growing. She's always telling me that she does a green tomato jelly, and they love it.
1: Oh, I guess so. so You get that
0: fresh taste. You get that fresh taste Mm -hmm. and everything else. But, you know, um, that might be good, or even... What about if you made I I don't know if cinnamon and maybe some pork that was in there that might go right you know, contradictory yeah. for putting it on maybe right. some pork yeah. recipes that's in there too as well okay oh, okay you have my you got my taste buds going here
1: <laughs> yeah sounds sounds good uh, sounds like something worth trying thank you very much
0: oh you're welcome and thank you for opening our our world to cinnamon basil to what it's gonna do. <laughs> And you know what? If you do those cookies, you have to let us know how they turned out, okay? Right. Okay. Wonderful. Will do. <laughs> okay, thank <laughs> have you. Have a good we're... day. You too. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. And there... that is so cool because we've ventured into something else that's in And there are, like, when we're talking about basil or basil that's in there, there are so many different types of basil that are, out there i know that uh one of the things i we were going to start bringing up is if you're growing things are you starting to pinch back things and i have to be the one that have to, i put my hand up and i said okay i've done it i was in the the herb section the other day i was cutting back some of the flowers cuz a we don't want our early crops going to flower yet what we want to do is give it a light pinching back so that our plants bush out further And we have to do this with our basil because, A, or maybe it's just because at the end of the evening, I want to just give it a light trim and have just a sampling of some large leaf basil before I go home. It's infectious. I'm telling you, looking at those herbs and just growing something that is not from preserved. You know, your dry herbs are okay for when you're in a pinch. But using fresh is just wonderful. And even going into using elements like fresh uh, bay leaf, oh, the aromatics. And I'm telling you, on some cooler days, when you brush your hands through all those aromatics, even with the parsley and the rosemary, oh my gosh, it is such a wonderful sensory aspect that you're getting. Let's go right to the lines. Norma is there. Hello, Norma.
1: Hi. Hi, so I, in you Montreal, I had an um, Italian friend who made spaghetti and put cinnamon in it, but no oh. onion. So maybe the cinnamon basil would work really well in the spaghetti sauce if you don't put onion.
0: Oh, I think that would work out beautifully.
1: Mm-hmm. I would put it in Mexican food, too.
0: Oh, in Mexican food, too, as well. Yeah. Yeah, that to would totally makes seeds. sense. Yeah. Well, you okay, can... T- say- Thank you. We can tell you. from my aspect that I'm not the I'm I'm not the cook, but I love growing it. My husband would uh, totally get into this. Thank you for sharing that. This is such a n- neat realm. I think we haven't delved into herbs for uh, a long period of time. But the other thing too is, if you're growing basil, here's a little bit of a hint too. You want to have higher light levels when you're growing your basil, and n- basil or basil, I don't know which way you want me to call it, but it likes to grow a little bit on the drier side. So over watering it is the quickest way to give it its demise that's on it. So do a little bit of pinching, yes, or pinch to sample and then make it into a bushier type of plant so that you're able to harvest because A, once you start growing your herbs and if you are a uh, big user of herbs, you may want to do multiple crops of them or have multiple plants of them growing because as you, uh, pinch off on some of them, you're going to be decreasing on your leaf matter on that plant. So you always have a secondary or a tertiary one that you're able to harvest from while that first one has a recovery time for regrowth. So that's an important part of it that's on it. Now, when we're talking, um, I just have my little notes here. we got to go back because we were talking about maybe the same thing is good drainage and we talked about soil. So maybe the recipe that you use for some of your herbs is you have uh, quick areas. You know that sea soil is wonderful for them, but it also has that drainage portion of it to allow it to go through. And of course, if we are growing our herbs indoors, I see a lot of... um, I don't know if it's a mistake or if it's just that we should have something that's different, is if you can grow your pots in... Okay, I'm going to say it. If you have these beautiful drop pots that you want to line the kitchen counter with and there's no drainage in it, maybe try using a plastic pot that fits inside that beautiful little drop pot that has no drainage so that you're able to lift that plastic pot out of your cover pot, water it well, and then put it back. Because A... If herbs do not like to be overwatered, they do not want to be in a reservoir where there's no drainage on the bottom. Even by just placing rocks on the bottom sometimes is not the answer because you do not know how how much moisture is still being maintained in the bottom within those rocks for that soil to be able to dry out. And it's notorious because the first area for the soil to dry out is the surface. And if the surface dries out, we think, aha, it's dry. We need to water it again. So that's kind of a cycle, and that goes for house plants too as well. There's beautiful pots without drainage holes because, yes, we don't want to have moisture on our carpets or our, our, our hardwood floors. So either get a beautiful saucer that matches with it and allow for that drainage, or, like I said, get a nice little plastic pot that you're able to drop into that cover pot so that you have optimal growth and optimal beauty that's on it. Now, when we're talking about moisture, I am going to reiterate it again because uh, there's a lot of sump hoses that are starting to be activated because of the amount of moisture that's in uh, that's happening right now with a the thawing of the snow and the added rain. And over this weekend, we're going to be getting a lot of rain here in Winnipeg. I, I assume from the look of what's outside. Is please do not discharge sump hose water. Onto garden beds. Put them onto the lawn, put them out further away, because if the water is coming from the house, it will be warmer water. And it seems like it's just water, but warmer water placed on plants and trees and shrubs and perennials has a tendency to wake them up sooner versus the cold rain outside. And I'm saying cold rain, yes, because I unlocked the gates this morning and it was pelting rain and I thought, Ooh, this is indeed cold. So we want the trees and the shrubs and our perennials to wake up in their natural state as to the element of the weather outdoors. Pre-advancing them to wake up only confuses them. They like wake up the roots, but the top is going through. And if they wake up too early and we have that frost, then there's a little bit of a detriment that's going to happen there as well. So it's a no-no. Do not discharge. Some poses to trees and garden beds because, A, you're not adding that extra water to them and giving them that added benefit. And, in essence, some discharge from some hoses, even in the summertime, there are some plants that do not like to be repeatedly wet. I can think of one, a Japanese tree lilac or your ivory silk lilacs. They like to be moist and then go dry. They like to be a little bit higher that's on it, they don't like to have that repeated watering. That's why when we design it in our landscape plans, we never put a lilac in a swale, Japanese tree lilac in a swale because it doesn't like that habit, so knowing the the growing conditions of these trees and shrubs makes it beneficial to where they're going to grow best. Evergreens too, all right, is that an issue, but maybe there's rusting that's affecting on some of our stuff. We know that there's moisture that's needed to get into the ground, but we don't want to keep them soggy. Spruce, cedars and everything, they don't like to be in standing water. That's a whole different conversation. But let's keep the conversation going. Yes, things are going to be waking up slowly. The water is going into the ground. Hopefully, you're not getting too much overland flooding Yes, in certain areas here too as well. We have a couple hoses that are going just to get rid of some of the discharge because Mother Nature is giving us that much-needed rain that we did not have last year. So once the ground thaws, I suspect that a lot of this moisture will go down nice and deep and replenish that water table that was so low. Now, when we're talking about moisture and trees, Have you started noticing a little bit of a change in some of your spruce trees or maybe your cedar trees? This is the time of year that you're going to start to see possibly some of that rusting effect where things or the cells of your shrubs have been desiccated by a possibly too much lack of moisture that was left going into the winter last year or from the heavy winds that have gone through There are so many little trees on my walkabouts and my driveabouts that I started to see. The levels of the rusting may be a little higher this year because, yes, the highest snow that we had. It may be the tops of the cedars that you're seeing or the very top of maybe that five-foot or six-foot spruce tree that's in the front yard. So once things thaw and if we don't have more moisture coming, as 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 soon as we can start watering... It's going to be beneficial to still s- supplement some of that, maybe to su- to those trees, but again, no sump poses, please. Oh, there's a little rhyme there. Now, there's one thing I wanted to talk about that's in it, and it's a kind of exciting that it's occurring. But did you know that 2022 is the year of the garden? This is such a passionate sort of hobby for people. It's been going on for years and years, and I remember the big prairie garden that my grandmother had in in Gainsborough, Saskatchewan, where my uncle used to tease me and tell me to go pick up the rhubarb and have a taste, but yet ending up being horseradish. There's so many memories that a garden can give a child in teaching them how to garden, what to do, how to start off the new beginning of planting a seed. And The celebration of the year of the garden carries us into the horticultural aspect of it that the Canadian Nursery Landscape Association, the CNLA, if you've heard of it, it's a hundred year anniversary and it it has claimed that this year, 2022, is Canada's year of the garden. So make it the best, plant your gardens, have a bounty of fruits and vegetables that you're able to use and I can just see the beautiful flowers that are going to be happening because it is a celebration. In, in essence, we have sustained a better quality of life. And the action that we have is in growing. It gives the positive aspects of everything. And I think I'm a true endorser of gardening. Because, yes, as we're gardening here at the garden center, a few pounds have been going down. So I benefit from a little bit more snacks available. Think of the exercise that you get the repetitiveness of doing different things, beneficial. The foods that we get, so much better tasting. And there's also the mental aspect of the gardening. We feel so much better when we're outdoors doing something. It motivates us, it energizes us. And the rewards of seeing the beauty, whether it's a tree that's stand alone that's in its glory, or the flowers in a container pot or looking at it and waiting in anticipation of the cinnamon basil that we can make cookies out of. Gardening is good, and this is where it all comes together. So if you have a chance on a rainy day, visit your garden center. Maybe pick out some seeds. You might want to start some basil. Who knows? But I'm going to throw another poem at you because I thought um, seeding is such a great thing, and the collection of seeds too, from one generation to another. "'There's a cute poem that I found, and I want you to take a listen. "'It's called A Package of Seeds. "'I paid a dime for a package of seeds, "'and the clerk tossed them out with a flip. "'We've got them all sorts ass- assorted for every man's needs,' "'he said with a smile on his lips. "'Pansies and poppies and asters and peas! ten cents a package and pick it as you please.' Now, seeds are just dimes to the man in the store, and dimes are things he needs. And I've been to buy them in seasons before, but have thought of them mere as seeds. But it flashed through my my mind as I took them this time. You have purchased a miracle here for just a dime. You've a dime's worth of power no man can create. You've a dime's worth of life in your hand. You've a dime's worth of mystery, destiny, and fate, which the wisest cannot understand. In this bright little package, now isn't that odd? You've got a dime's worth of something known only to him above. There's a lot to be said about a seed and the power that you have, but let's go right back to the callers. Hi, Andy. Uh, Good morning. Good morning. How are you, and where are you calling from this morning?
2: (laughs) From Landmark.
0: Well, I know exactly where you are. Good morning, (laughs) Landmark. How can we help you?
2: My question is, okay, so for Christmas time, we got an amarilla. Yep. It had two stalks. It bloomed four blooms on each stalk, beautifully. Now it has seven leaves that are between 30 and 36 inches long.
0: It's still growing? Yeah. Okay, so it's continuing to grow, so you can let it continue to grow. Uh, I don't know if you're going to get any more uh, flower bulbs that are from it, but amaryllis is a short-term bulb that if you're wanting to uh, force it to grow again, you're going to have to put it back into its dormancy state. Uh, Did you get it as a bulb, or did you get it already started?
2: uh well, we got it as a bulb with uh with the uh, with the uh, two uh stalks on there okay and and so- then uh, in time for christmas uh and I mean to stop in some of these days and show you the flowers there were four flowers on each stalk beautiful and 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 eventually I cut those things off and the, and the leaves start coming out. And, as I'm looking at it, there's two shorter leaves, maybe uh twenty four or uh, twenty inches and and five of them are between thirty and thirty six inches long.
0: That's quite uh substantial that's on there, <laughs> yeah, but what you can do is um that you can either treat that by placing uh it and growing it indoors or uh in the summertime, you can actually take it outside and let it grow a little bit outdoors as well. But if you're wanting to, you can actually start reducing on the amount of uh, moisture that you're giving it, and you can insert, start inducing it to go into a dormant state, back into a bulb area. Uh huh. Because in order for it to rebloom, it has to go into its dormancy state. Just like when we think of tulips, you know, how in the spring tulips come up, and then all of a sudden the blooms are gone, but the foliage slowly starts to wither back into the bulb state. Yes. So that's what we're—that's what you're having to do with your amaryllis to get it to reset to bloom for again for holiday next year.
2: They're starting to turn reddish uh, the bottom uh, twelve inches, let's say. No reddish.
0: Are you fertilizing or are you not fertilizing?
2: Uh, I think we gave it uh, one of those uh, little sticks already.
0: Okay. Yeah. Yeah, there's the Schultz uh, little stick fertilizers. I I I think of those as vitamins. Okay. There's the liquid there's the liquid fertilizer that is almost like the meat and potatoes that is taken up instantly. Yeah. And then uh, the little Schultz sticks, or sometimes you'll find granular fertilizer that's in the top. That's that's not like a little constant little feed just in case you forget to fertilize in between. So those work well. Uh, I would probably at some point maybe uh, pull that out because when you're wanting to slow it down, you want to slow down on the watering, and you also want to slow down on the fertilizing for sure. Yeah. Block it to put it back into its uh, dormancy. And, and okay. would I
2: start that now already, or what? What time would I start doing that?
0: Uh, probably midsummer. Midsummer. Yeah, midsummer. So you can enjoy it as a houseplant for now. You can enjoy it if you're wanting to put it outdoors. But yeah. just remember, yeah. if you put it outdoors and you're wanting to bring it back in, uh, there's always a chance that you might bring a few little critters in if you have other houseplants in the
2: house. Yes, yes. Okay? Okay, that helps me.
0: Okay, and what color was it?
2: Uh, 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 red. Uh, orange. is red.
0: An is red. Oh, beautiful. Yeah. Uh, there are so many funky new colors that are coming out uh years ago we used to just have solid reds and then you're getting into some of the blended ones and just to throw this at you we've already in the garden center world we're already looking at ordering stuff for holiday get it believe it or not we're not even through the first season
2: right no i hope to stop in and i'll show you the pictures Oh, wonderful. We, yep.
0: lo- I love looking at uh, anything flowering and all that kind of stuff. It's just
2: absolutely, it, yeah. It's beautiful.
0: Okay, thank you, Andy.
2: Thank you very much. Bye bye.
0: There are so many different things. And what I was, tra- um, what I'm going to finish telling Andy and the rest of you is the amaryllis, when you do store it in its dormancy state, you can either pull it out of the soil, clean the bulb off, and store it in the cool location again. Or in some instances, you can keep it in the soil, but it's dry, again, in a cool location. But what the power of it, and yes, the amaryllis bulb is basically a seed. And you could see the energy and the power of the seed by the new sort of trendy way that you probably could have seen these, is the amaryllis is a standalone plant that is in a, a wire stand, and they don't even put it in soil. And the latest one is the last few years is the amaryllis bulb has been encased in a decorative wax, whether it's gold or silver or copper, or even artsy patterns of wax that's around it. And it's held by itself on its own. And the the glorious part of it is that the leaves emerge and the flowers and they bloom, not with soil, not with moisture but the energy of the bulb by itself. That speaks wonders to the power of a seed. That's why it's beautiful to start planting things from seeds. We get excited about it. And yes, at the garden center here, uh, I even took a little bit of a break, put put the old uh, gloves on or took the gloves off, and we're transplanting in the back. There's the energy of sort of seeing something so small regenerated, and growing up. Now, if you've been doing your transplanting, A, start off smaller cells. Don't take a small seedling. And remember, when you're ready to transplant, make sure you have two or three sets of leaves before you're doing your transplanting. Because remember, the first leaves that emerge are not the true leaves. They're just the energy ones to say, Hey, we're awake but we're not ready to transplant yet. Wait till my true leaves show and then transplant me. And the rationale for planting in something that's a little bit smaller pot, not the Jamungo one that you want to put outside, is A, if the pot is too big, there's too much soil. The, The seedling stays wet too long, so you want it to dry out in between. And the dining room table doesn't get taken up by hundreds of pots. You can contain things a little bit slower, In smaller pots now there may be the different scenario maybe their plants are growing wonderfully and you have to pinch things back like the basil basil just to get things a little bushier a little thicker and it encourages more branches which in essence when we put our plants outside i always like to think more branches more flowers or more branches more tendency to have more fruit and vegetables. It's all a win-win on that aspect that's in it. So water your plants indoors today. You don't need to do it outdoors because it is indeed raining strong. Now, when you're also transplanting, there's a uh, a purpose of it. Now, the soils that you probably used, if you're using some of the grower mixes, had a little bit of a probably a fertilizer ratio that's in it. So if you still have your bags that you've used, check and see. Sometimes there's small micronutrients that are inside the soils that will give you that extra little boost. So you don't have to use use heavier fertilizers. When it's time to do your transplanting, you may uh, go into a transplant fertilizer uh, if you're looking for some, look for some that has a higher middle number that's in there, but the lower front and end numbers, like a five, fifteen, five. Uh We carry a home and garden excellence fertilizer, which is really, really good. And I like it because not only does it have the micronutrients, but it also has a little bit of sea kelp in there. Yes, maybe the sea soil and the sea kelp has something to do with it. I'm into that sort of aspect that's on it. And if you're looking at doing some other things... Uh, there are 1052 10, tens or 105217 10, ratios that you can do for encouraging root development that again once you have sustained good roots the roots are what are going to support the top portion of it whether it's a tree or whether it's a flower if you have short shallow roots and remember short shallow roots are caused by overwatering right If you're overwatering and your pot is deep, all that moisture sitting on the bottom, those roots are saying, I'm not going further down in the soil because it's a soggy area that I will not sustain myself in. So allow the soil to dry all the way through. And if you allow the soil to go all the way through, elongated roots will support the nice big plants above. Thank you everyone for joining us again on the Lawn and Garden Journal. We'll be back next Saturday with a lot of garden conversation. Bye-bye, everyone.